is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Well, hey, everyone. This is Kelly King, and I'm here with Elizabeth Hyman. We're back together, kind of, right? Right. We're still uh, working remotely, so we appreciate all the patience that you can give us. We're, we're supposed to be getting new microphones in the mail, but everyone is trying to buy microphones through the internet right now. So we're working on it, people. Thank you yeah, for your patience. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. We, every day I'm like, is it on the front porch? It's not on the front porch. So yeah. we'll, get, we'll get there. Well, we are super excited to introduce you to a special guest today who works for Compassion International. And Compassion has been a sponsor of Lifeway for a really long time. So we're really excited to have this conversation with Elizabeth Arrio. So Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, your story, and just kind of the ministry that you have with Compassion. Thank you very much, Elizabeth and Kelly. Uh, privileged to be with you and, your, and the guests today. And I can completely relate to the microphone issue. I got advice yesterday. Please get a better mic for this podcast. So I went and I bought a gamer's gamer, gamer's headset um, to improve things. So and, and even that was, there were a few left on the shelf. So I know they are selling like hotcakes right now. So a little bit about myself. I live in Colorado. Um, working for Compassion International. I've been here for about five years. And I was actually born in Tanzania, which is in East Africa. But because of the economic devastation that was brought about by the war that we fought with Idi Amin, Dada, who was then president of Uganda, our economy collapsed. And my parents realized that there was not much in terms of a future for them, let alone for my sisters and I, we have four girls. And so they needed to move. I mean, if we think, you know, think back to March and April of this year, who would have thought that in America we would run out of toilet paper or paper towel or sanitizer, right? But in Tanzania, when I was growing up, you go to the store, there was no toilet paper. And it was, it was not like it was gonna come back. Uh, there was no sugar, there's no food. And so it was really stressful. Um, and so from a really young age, as we're going through this trauma, my parents kept emphasizing to us two things. One, the importance of a good education. That's the only ticket out. The second one was the importance of dreaming and to dream big. My mom always used to tell us, build castles in the air. So I want to tell you a little bit about that as part of my, my childhood. So some of you, let's start with education. Some of you, some of you hopefully can relate to this. In elementary school, I was a horrendous student. I was probably every teacher's nightmare. Uh, people called me an idiot, you know. So in Tanzania, from kindergarten onwards, at the end of every academic year, you would take a test and based on your scores, they will rank you. And when you think of the last day of school, for most of us, it's a joyful day, right? We're getting, we're free. Well, in Tanzania, they would write, line you up in the schoolyard in rank order, one to 30. And I was always 30th. I was always last. And my teachers told me, ain't going to amount to much. Um, you're just basically a coconut head, a head full of water and nothing else. Oh. Coconut, yeah, because nothing can get through to you, Elizabeth. And in, when, when, when you do penetrate that, there's nothing of substance inside. So now let's talk about dreams. During all this time, my mom still encourages us to dream. 
dream big. And I remember this afternoon in Nigeria, it was hot, 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 humid day. And we were sitting around the dining table and we were dreaming about, we wanted to build a hotel in Tanzania when we grew up, right? And I was in middle school and my mom was sketching. And so imagine a few weeks later, my father comes home with architecture blueprints. He took that drawing and gave it to an architect to draw it for us. Now I knew I was the bane of my father's existence, you know, right? Because of my grades and I didn't care about them. But the fact that he invested in me, that he thought that I was worth it, regardless of what the present was demonstrating, has been the wind in my sail from that day on, right? And it really turned things around. It's like he, he, there was a spark that he saw that I didn't and he found those flames. And I'm really hoping that for you, you can really think of that person who saw something incredible in you at a point in your life when you couldn't see it and just can continue to fan those flames and know that they're, they're really, really big and we can be that for others. So let's fast forward to my ministry today as an adult. You know, even before Compassion, I've been with Compassion about four years, I would characterize myself as one, as an enabler and an encourager. And hopefully, because I was trained as a scientist, a catalyst, I speed up reactions, right? Um, you know, I look at all the challenges I had growing up and the people who gave me hope, who saw me even when I could not see myself. Who, and so I want to do that for people. I want to let them know I see them, that their dreams matter and that their hopes matter. And what is most important is that God is still about your business. I love that. That I love how um, you just had this kind of like plan. You can see like God's hand in your life throughout the beginning. Um, one thing we wanted to ask you about was just kind of like, how did you get started working with compassion? Like you kind of told the, the why behind it, but just mm-hmm. tell us how, how did you right. get started with yes. that ministry? Yes. Absolutely. And you'll, you'll hear a lot of, for me today about why, you know, mm-hmm. I, the why is always, you know, they say start with why motivation is so important. And that's a great, um, great question, Elizabeth. And how did I start with compassion? I, long story short, um, I went online, I saw Compassion, I'd, I, had, I, had not, I didn't know about them. I just bumped into them and I applied and the rest is history. But let me tell you a little bit more about how I got to that place where I was actually looking for something like a Compassion. Um, hunger really marked me as a child in Tanzania. You know, it's funny how we as adults often think children don't understand what we're talking about, right? But eavesdropping is probably a child's greatest uh, source of joy, right? Um, (laughs) Right? Yeah. So my mom, I used to hear my mom worrying, worrying with her friends about how she was going to feed us, take care of us. Mm -hmm. And I was petrified. Um, As I've shared with you before, can't find food in the stores. Funny story. We couldn't find sugar. So my mom used local honey in just about anything that needed sugar. To this day, I hate honey. I can pick it up in anything and I go ballistic. It's like a trigger gets turned on and I'm like (laughs) that little child who was spitting out their mushy peas, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But that experience as a child made it my mission from a really young age to work on alleviating physical hunger. So food insecurity became my cause from when I was about nine, 10 years old. And I wanted to really equip myself to help ensure that no woman, no child went hungry. You know, and, and I worked in, the, in corporate America for many years in the food industry. And then I reached a crossroad because I went back to the why, right? You know, maybe some of you can relate to that promise that God has given you, right? And it's taken years 
you have prepared, you have prayed, you have fasted, you have sought confirmation, and then you wait and you wait and you get to this point where it really hurts. And you, and so I got to that crossroad and I told God, okay, fish or cut bait. Okay. Either open a door so I can use these skills to help women and children know that they can secure the food they need to survive or allow me to just continue in the food industry. Cause I love being a scientist, but I'm done with this hope and dream. I can't handle it anymore. And at the 11th hour, which is so God, he opens the door for compassion. As I mentioned, I'm Googling, I see this role, I read it. I'm like, yep, can do that, can do that, can do that. I have no idea in what context I applied, they replied. And actually from my interview to hiring, it was less than a week. Wow. That's how fast it turned around. Wow. So, yes. And it's been a delight to work with compassion and work with a ministry that is addressing not only physical hunger, but, you know, and physical stability, but also the spiritual hunger and doing it in Jesus name. And that's what we really need. And the partnership with the local church. So that's how I got to compassion. Yeah. And you might even just explain to us exactly what your role is at compassion right now. Sure. Yeah, my role at Compassion is I serve as a senior vice president reporting to the CEO, and I am responsible for uh, driving enterprise, so global strategic planning. Um, And once we have the strategic plan, the initiatives or the projects that come out of that to help us achieve our goals. My team is, uh, I have the program management team, change management team, which is driving those projects through in the organization. I also am responsible for global corporate communication and public affairs. So communication, as we're doing right now, is so key to keeping people aligned and aware and informed. Um, And so I have that piece. And then last but not least, I also have responsibility for the president's office. So all the things that pertain to what the president needs to to be able to do his role and large meetings and uh, corporate events. It's a little bit about what I do. You have a huge role and a really important one. And I know a lot of our listeners are, you know, they're familiar with the work of what you all do at Compassion a little bit, but um, we may not know what, how you all are doing this in the midst of COVID-19. So talk a little bit about just, you know, the challenges that you guys have faced this year in the midst of the pandemic. And, and then really, how can our listeners help? Yeah, yeah. So I like to begin with the end in mind. So what I'd like to do is start with how can you help? How can you help? Pray, pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. These are really uncertain times, so pray. Second, faith without words, faith without actions is dead, right? So I'm going to share with you how your generosity has enabled us and continues to help us serve the poor. So keep giving. Go to compassion.com, find a child. Um, If you don't want to sponsor a child, we have other... uh, other products like helping, you know, giving to the disaster fund relief, you know, for relief, you can do that as well. So those are ways that you can help Compassion in this season, help the local church who is serving the children in need, okay? And I'll reiterate that, but I want you to hear some of the examples of how you are helping us even as I speak. So as I mentioned earlier, Compassion is committed to holistic child development. So people ask, well, what does that actually mean? We work with a local church and, you know, the local church actually knows what's going on in the child's life and in the family's life. And we are focused on a couple of things. The child's physical needs, that is their health and nutrition, the social and emotional needs, their cognitive, that is education, and their spiritual needs. So we look at the whole child, right? 
So I want you to reflect with me for a minute on how this pandemic has affected you and your family here in the US. And it gives you a bit of an understanding of what the children are dealing with in the poverty stricken countries. Weathering this pandemic in America is hard, but it's nothing in comparison to what others are facing. You know, we have safety nets, right? Right now, the three of us, Elizabeth, Kelly, you and I are working from home, right? And we can, but that's not something that's available to the people that, to the families that we work with. Many of them work in the informal sector. They are day laborers. If they don't work today as taxi drivers, street vendors, um, maids, they're not gonna make money today and they're not gonna eat. There's no unemployment check coming through the mail. Actually, there's no mail system. Let's just be clear about that. <laughs> there are no food banks. There's no reliable clinic for free or subsidized healthcare and no access to water and sometimes even running water. Right. So these are, this is just a backdrop. So how is this child, how is this pandemic affecting us? It's really in three ways. Um, programmatically, how we connect with partners, new supporters and raise funds to help in these times. And then how we work together within compassion. So um, let's just start really, is it okay if I share how we, it's affecting us programmatically? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Fine. Okay. This Great. is your time. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm, all, I'm always, uh, okay. Um, so if you think back, as I mentioned earlier to March of this year, when the pandemic started and the great lockdown began, right? Think about how it affected your children. If they are school age, I have school age children, how it, and how it affected you. Well, our church partners also were affected and they had to close. Social distancing 200 or more K through 12 children in communities with limited resources and highly, highly social cultures is difficult on a good day, let alone in the midst of a pandemic. So we decided to pivot and really try and focus on the needs that are immediate, that are dire. And those are three, food insecurity, hygiene, and access to cash. We have paused our standard program and we're addressing hunger and food insecurity and because of your generosity and your faithfulness to the Lord. And I ask you to please continue. You've made it possible for us to deliver over 3.8 million food kits to families, to children, 3.8 million children. But when we take that food to the child's home, that child has siblings, relatives, parents. So your impact is far, is far reaching. And you've made, you've made a difference. You've kept people alive, literally. I, I kid you not. Hygiene. Wash your hands. How many times do you and I do that a day? How many times we hope our children do that a day, right? We turn, you know, you turn on the tap and you fully expect water to run out. But what would we do if we turned that tap and nothing came out? How would we keep our children safe? How would we stay safe? Well, you have, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You help us deliver 2.6 million hygiene kits. And furthermore, our curriculum teaches our children and shows them the importance of hygiene. So we are so blessed. It's amazing how God goes before us, right? Our children, your children, the children of the communities have gone into this pandemic prepared with good hygiene practices. Right? And that's a life-giving gift. The last thing is cash transfers. In some instances, we can't provide food uh, because in some countries, the government has banned that because it's led to riots and people have died. That's how desperate people are. 
um, hygiene kits, maybe we're not able to get to those mm-hmm. families. And so we transfer cash to them so that they have the money in order to survive day to day. The second major impact has been how we reach new supporters to raise mm-hmm. the funds to do what I just described. You know, pre-COVID, we had um, many events, and I'm sure some of you have attended them, including Compassion Sundays at your church, uh, artists, concerts, and festivals. And uh, many of you probably volunteered in those uh, or pay, played a significant role. And I just want to thank you and encourage you as we move into this, this digital age to participate in that, whatever that becomes, right? Since the pandemic, all these large public events have ended, right, for safety reasons. And so we have shifted to digital and virtual offerings. It's been really challenging, right? Um, But God is faithful. And because of your faithfulness, we are seeing fruit as a result of it. And I'll give you an example and an invitation. In August, later this month, um, we are going to be partnering with two peer organizations, World Vision and Food for the Hungry, with a dozen or so Christian artists. And we are doing this so that we can raise funds for each organization's disaster relief efforts. So I want to invite you, you, your friends, your community, to join us in modeling solidarity, solidarity and empathy in an increasingly divided world. Last but not least is um, our workforce, right? And um, like many organizations, most compassion staff are working from home just like me right now. This is an incredible blessing, but it comes with many challenges. For those living alone, isolation. Isolation is a huge issue and continues to be a real challenge. The second one is for those with dependents. You know, we're now, many are now trying to do two full-time jobs uh, at the same time, and that's really hard. And for those of you who have school-age children like me, it was bad enough when we had, I shouldn't say bad enough, that sounds like a really bad parent. It was hard enough when we were trying to just get homework organized, done, and turned in, right? That was like, man, I wasn't prepared for this, Lord. And now it's like, I have to teach him? Are you kidding me? Right. So you're like, Lord, have mercy. And I really I really have a a significant appreciation. And I'm sure you do, too, for the teachers and for all they go through to get our children to focus, study (laughs) and do their work. Um, The the other thing, too, about working uh, remotely is that we miss this human interaction that we have face to face, a lot of hallway conversations and life that happens. But the good thing is that because we can connect digitally through many, many platforms, which Compassion was using even before the pandemic, which was another blessing, we are actually able to break down silos. We're able to talk to people that we normally wouldn't talk to. And people are having access to people that they normally wouldn't have had access to because, oh, there was a meeting, but the room only holds 20 people. And so we can't have more than 20 people. Well, now we've had meetings with up to a thousand individuals when we've had workforce meetings. So that's been a you know a very, very significant blessing. Um, and I'll end with this in terms of challenges, um, but maybe it's also a call to action from the Lord for, for you and for I separating work from home life, right? That is an ongoing challenge and we're hearing it from our staff and I'm struggling with it. I don't know how many times I make my children repeat themselves because I'm not listening. 
they don't have my undivided attention. My work life and my my work and my home life have merged, and they've merged too much. Where I'm thinking I can multitask, but truly I can't, right? And so I think that's another challenge that we have. But uh, but there's been a lot of good coming out of this. So programmatically, we've seen we've been challenged, but with your generosity, your giving, your prayers. Your support, we've been able to help millions and millions around the world. And we ask you to invite you to help us to continue doing that. We are now connecting with you and you support us through the digital platform. So please engage with us, um, give us feedback, send ideas, give through those um, opportunities, share share what we're doing through your net, social networks. We would really appreciate that. And then just pray for our work, our work staff just as we pray for you. Right, that we can navigate this season well. Yeah, I think that's great. It's we uh, just actually published a blog post today that was like silver linings about all of this, mm. and and it's true that this is very a very challenging season for the entire world for a multitude of reasons, and we're going through a very hard time and a, a wilderness season, and you know we've likened it to lots of biblical seasons, um, but there are some things that are good that are coming out of this. And I think um, if we are praying for the healing and praying for all those things, we also need to praise God for the things that he's showing us and teaching us during this time and, and things that may come out of this that we're like, you know what, that was really good. Let's keep doing that. And I think that's one of the things that, um, especially for your digital events and like meetings and the the blessings that you listed, those would be easy to continue to do in vi- in maybe different ways, but um, for sure, keep doing that. And we just want to remind people that uh, the link to sponsor is compassion.com slash lifeway. And so you can use that link in order to sponsor a child and see all these digital uh, events and things that um, Elizabeth was talking about. But one thing that we wanted to also ask you, because you're a global citizen, you're a world changer. What encouragement would you have for women who cannot travel globally? So it could be that they can't travel globally because they were currently in a pandemic, but it also just mm-hmm. in a regular season, they may, they may not, um, I mean, they might have children or finances or whatever are stopping them from traveling, but they want to learn about other cultures because we do think it's important to learn stories from other cultures um, because that builds compassion. That helps us to learn how we can help and, you know, go into all nations and spread the good news of the gospel. So how can we be world changers from our own homes during this time and then beyond this time? Well, Elizabeth, um, thank you for that serious compliment. It's it's uh, being called a global citizen and a world changer is quite weighty, right? But I think we all are in, in some respect and sometimes we can't see it. Um, I start by saying to those women what I say to myself every day. And I'm not kidding when I say every day. Be courageous and cultivate curiosity, Mm. right? We have access to so many tools and resources today. You can travel to the ends of the earth without leaving your chair, right? Literally. And so, but it requires courage and curiosity. You know, we are biased as individuals. I don't care who you are. We all are towards those things which are familiar, those things which make us comfortable, especially in this season of uncertainty, right? We are re- we really want, we seek comfort and the known. But ask yourself, who am I usually drawn to? What am I usually drawn to? What do I watch? What do I read? Who do I talk to and why? And because of this 
could I be missing something? You know, could God be trying to show me something, tell me something that I'm missing? So be courageous, you know, see who God wants you to connect with, what God wants you to look into and under, seek to understand not only what, how, but why. Be curious. You know, I'm a scientist and we were trained to always seek to understand not just what happened, but why it happened. Right. So I want to challenge you. Have a little fun. <laughs> Think back to your younger self. I don't know. Maybe you were five. Maybe you were seven, ten. You were not bashful. You were incessant about asking why. Why, 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 why? Probably drove your parents crazy, right? Think about that and go back to that, that curious person. Now, if you were a quiet and shy child and you say, I don't know where to begin, become a student of great questions. There's so many resources out there. Like there's a John Maxwell book that's, uh, he's got a great book called Great Leaders Ask Great Questions. You can even just Google how to ask great questions and Go to the image part and you'll have all these little images of questions that you can use to spur on conversations. Um, read, right? I know we're really busy. Um, I find that I can't focus for very long anymore. So I use audiobooks, right? And I play audiobooks sometimes even as I'm falling asleep, I'm taking a shower, I'm cooking dinner. I'm in my car. It doesn't, I'm not necessarily listening a hundred percent all the time, but when something is said that really catches my attention, I rewind and I listen, right? So I've released myself from the need to understand all the content in the book to just some of the content, right? Um, I want, you know, books, I, I want to encourage you to look at it like Daring Greatly by Brene Brown, right? She's awesome. Um, I hate horror and I, I get freaked out by pain and suffering. I know it's really strange working for compassion, but I challenged myself, and I this summer I listened to The Tattooist of Auschwitz by Heather Morris. Powerful book, powerful book. Um, and if you really are challenged like me from time to time with attention span, TED Talks, they've gotten shorter and shorter every year. So you can get a sound bite of something and then figure out how you know how to build on that you know bbc reuters you have your favorite sources but try something different right and then for, for those with children right we're going into a season where many of us are going to have to do online learning again right so check out compassion explorer magazine at explorer.compassion.com it has a it's a, it's a magazine that talks about cultures from around the world. It has recipes, art, stories, fun games that you can, even as your children are learning, you will learn. So those are some of the resources I would, I would say use. But bottom line, be curious. There is so much beauty in this world. Um, and there's no, you, you, you will lose nothing. You will be so enriched by, by learning more. Well, and you have just, like, the things that you have shared with us already. We've just seen how God has used you in leadership. And we have a lot of women who listen to the podcast who they um, are leaders. And there are women that listen to our podcast that don't consider themselves leaders, but they really are because they have influence. So maybe you could share with us maybe some advice that you've been given for your career, maybe some things that people have encouraged you along the way to lead. Yeah. 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 Thank you. You know, I am here and I stand on the shoulders of so many who have gone before me, men, women, uh, you know, it's, and it's a, it's a true honor uh, for what they have sacrificed. But when I think about priceless advice, I would say I've been told be bold, right? Be strong. 
and, and, and strength is relative. It's strong relative to where you are, right? If you're really strong, that's different from somebody who's got, who would say, I'm weak and I need to grow. But be bold, be strong. And um, I love this scripture in the Bible. Um, it says, you know, it tells us that we need to be bold, we need to be strong, because the Lord of the universe, the creator of the universe is with us, right? You know, so, and the Bible says we have not because we ask not, right? Ask that your joy may be full. I think that is from John's gospel. And I used to go to God in prayer and I would say, Lord, I really want to do this. I don't know how, but you said I have to ask. I can tell you my joy is not full. So what do I need to do? What do you need to do? So be bold. Some of you may say, whoa, 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 Elizabeth, uh, slow down. Leadership is a scary word, okay? I don't even know what I would be signing up for. I don't even understand this concept of leadership. Okay, let's do this quick litmus, te- litmus test, okay? Again, the scientist in me. Let's do this quick litmus test. Um, I'm going to share with you a quote by John Quincy Adams. It's my most favorite quote in the world. And when you hear this quote, if anything I say resembles you or how people have described you, then you are a leader. And John Quincy Adams says, if your actions, not your titles, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Okay? If your actions, and I'm adding my own piece, not your title, not your income, If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Remember, leadership is not about titles. It's not about position. It's about influence. It's about what you do to make a difference in others' lives. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know how to take that first step, think about those things that you are passionate about, right? Those things that you can do and you lose track of time. Right, you will do when you're bone tired and they fuel you and you're just like, give me more of that. Well, focus on that. Figure out how you can you can invest in that. You can learn more, do more, inspire others to do what you're doing in that sphere. It's so much easier to be a leader in the things you're passionate about than those that you are not. And if you have the challenge of leading in places where you're not passionate about, figure out how to infuse some of those things that you're passionate about into that which you've been called to do it will be so much better, right? And really be courageous. I mean, you'll hear me saying, be bold, be courageous for the Lord your God is with you. That is so good. And I think that is a very helpful thing to look at no matter where you are. Um, Like Kelly said, we are all leading somebody. Um, But just to, yeah, I think that's a good question to ask, even if you're like feeling a little burnt out on your job or anything like that. Those are great questions to look at and ask. Well, Elizabeth. Oh, go and ahead. I, Elizabeth. Yeah, I was going to say what I forgot to add. And thank you for adding that, because we do lead. We lead ourselves first. We lead our children. We lead in our community as volunteers. We lead by what we do. People are watching us. Yes. Right. So um, and, and, and some of us lead by by role, by title. Right. Not by title, by role. If you're leading by title, you're in trouble. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yes. Well, um, this is called the Marked Podcast. So the question that we always mm-hmm. ask at the end is what has marked you in your walk with Christ? 
That was one of the most difficult questions of all. Yes. <laughs> I was like, Mark, what has marked me? Um, as a teenager, I watched my mother go to great lengths to help the poor and destitute children in our community. I used to ask her, Mama, why do you do that? You spend so much time raising funds, making clothing, making food. And I, and, and really, honestly, I was jealous because I was like, you need to spend more time <laughs> with me, right? And my mom said to us, you know, typical teenagers, right? Me, me, me. My mom said to me and to my sisters, I am helping because one day you, I won't be where you are and you'll need help. Mm-hmm. And God will send someone to help you just as he has sent me. He is sending me to help these children right now. So I want to reflect, I share a story that reflects that truth. When I was studying my, for my master's and my PhD in Kansas, the financial support I was receiving from the university dried up for a season and I was desperate. I have never cried so much in my life and I'm not a crier. I mean, I was just like, all the time before the Lord. Um, And maybe some of you can really relate to this, that brokenness. And when the pastor in my church would make an altar call for whatever reason, and I qualified for most of those altar calls, I didn't dare to go up because I knew he'd ask me to kneel. And I was ashamed. And why was I ashamed? Because I knew when I knelt down, people would see all the holes in the soles of my shoes. And so I wouldn't. And I was like, how can I be doing my master's and my PhD? And my, my clothes have holes from all the chemicals that I have used in the lab. And my shoes are, I mean, when it rains, it's not a good day for me. When it snows, it's not a good day for me, right? During this season, I needed housing. I needed food. I needed friendship. And I prayed. Fasting was easy. I didn't have any money. I couldn't afford food. So fasting was like, okay, that's an um, austerity measure. And as a foreigner, I really didn't know about food banks, right? Well, God answered by sending this angel my way, a lady I met in church. And through a series of events, this angel, this young lady had found herself pregnant out of wedlock and had to go on welfare to support, to get the, she was really desperate to get a medical care, medical coverage for her daughter. And um, she lived in section eight housing. I didn't even know what welfare was, what section eight housing was. And I learned a lot. And she was open-handed, generous. The little she had, and I mean little, she shared with me. And did so with such an open heart. She fed me. She housed me. She drove me around where I needed to go. And she invited me when I finally could no longer afford my apartment to live in her Section 8 house. It was a condemned house. I slept on the floor. We had slugs crawling up the walls. And my prayer was just like, Lord, please, please, don't let the slugs go in my mouth, up my nose, or in my ears while I sleep. That was just it. I was was down to that basic prayer. Every morning I'd be like... (laughs) Okay, I'm good. <laughs> there is nothing in my mouth. But that, that was how God chose to meet me at that point of desperate need. I wouldn't be here today without her intervention. So what has marked me is the surprising ways in which God works. He will use anything and anyone as long as they are willing. If he can use a donkey to speak, he can use anything. All he needs is a willing heart. And so... This upside down blessing, right? The poor helping the poor. It's like, 
really reminds me of 1 Corinthians 1, 20 to 29. And that says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that nobody may boast in his presence, right? So you may think, I may think, I don't have anything to give, right? I'm strapped myself. I'm a mess myself, Lord, right? But I want to encourage you. What do you have in your hands? You can be that answer today to that little girl, maybe older girl, because she's in, she's at greater risk than maybe the little girl because she's about to become an adult and she doesn't have options. Maybe you can be that answer, that encourager, that enabler to her by sponsoring her. So I want to invite you to continue to invest, not only with prayer, but with your gifts and your talents in God's eternal bank. You know, Proverbs 19.17 says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. This is what has marked my life. The surprising ways in which God goes about our business. What a great reminder of just no matter what we have, that we can be generous. We can, we can all have a spirit of generosity. And thank you for just the reminder that there are people and children, young women um, around the world who really do need our support and need our help. So we do want to encourage our listeners that um, we would love for you to, to go to the website at compassion.com slash lifeway. And if you are not already sponsoring a child, we really highly encourage you to consider and prayerfully um, consider how you can be a part of this great organization. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a joy to get to know you. And Elizabeth and I are going to come visit you in Colorado <laughs> yes. sometime soon so we can get away from the heat. But um, thanks again. And thank you, listeners. And we um, are looking forward to seeing you the Bye. next time. Thank you very much. We really appreciate the partnership and God bless you both, Elizabeth and Kelly. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heinemann. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.